I've been steering clear of the bad commentary discourse on Twitter today. Is there more discourse today? I knew it was happening yesterday, but... There's just been some added to it. I've been avoiding contributing both days. I also explicitly avoided contributing. I don't really know what it would cause. Like, what? what's my end game? There's really nothing there. A lot of commentary is bad. That's the tweet. <laughs> That's the tweet. And here are 30 more tweets that say the same thing. And then five more tweets that contradict that for kind of diversity's sake. Kind of both sides it a little. <laughs> it's really easy to be tricked into doing it badly, I think. Mm, that's probably true. Like I, I don't I don't think it's hard to do a good job as long as you care. But it's also extremely easy to do a bad job. I mean, I'm sure that I have done like less than fantastic jobs at times, but I don't know, man. It's just like sit down and talk about the game and like think about it and enjoy the game that you're watching. And a lot of it just kind of naturally waterfalls from there. Yeah, you just talk literally about the game you're watching and you should be good. I, I get it, especially with downtime. You like want to talk about literally anything when people are just shuffling forever or not doing their turn or in garbage time. And it's definitely harder with paper, for sure, because there just is more of that. And then once you start telling a story, you don't want to stop telling the story. And there's there's definitely barriers there. And I think people need to get com- more comfortable interrupting whoever's talking to talk about the game. Like you should just be comfortable interrupting the other person if they're not talking about the game to talk about the game like if something happens <laughs> right exactly that's that's why the roles are important although i'm, I'm bad about doing roles most of the time it, it i mean yeah but it's not really a role thing as much as a i will cut myself off to talk about the game as well when i'm doing commentary because yeah. i want to talk about the game primarily and then once you cut yourself off from a story you just don't remember like the rest of it it's done it's over <laughs> it vanished it was fun doing commentary for storybook brawl which i don't know if i'll ever get a chance to do again but it was really nice to do it once because that is a game with just like you know it's an auto battler so there's basically no downtime whatsoever since like you know the downtime is the the, the auto battle yeah. but you have to like you, you narrate the fight and make it exciting and talk about what just happened so it's just like go straight from the fight into decision making and then maybe you have like 30 seconds of time between all of the decision making and then the next fight and um, definitely like that pace was a, a totally different experience and and made it like for storybook brawl uh having the distinct roles i think like made a lot of sense of the play-by-play and the color and i think that There's distinctive um, parts of the game <laughs> yeah yeah for sure they're just like are two different halves of your brain working on what's going on basically Monty had me switch and do play-by-play on the second day and that one like that that like wore me out like almost physically like talking through everything that was going on but it, it was cool it was a neat experience yeah i i don't mind doing play-by-play because i think that's it's very difficult to do well but mm-hmm. <sighs> i i don't know i always like trying it there's a lot of space to explore in magic commentary i think that hasn't really been well no one's paying for it <laughs> I know. It, there's a lot of space that could be explored if there were incentive to do so. Like, we have one truly great commentary team, and then we have, like, people who try, like us. And, you know, that that's 
that's really the two categories and we have not really developed i mean because it's just hard there, there just aren't the resources to do it yeah like if we had people commentary like doing it all the time the it's kind of the job, way that like, yeah. league of legends does it or any of the esports valorant uh overwatch that mm-hmm. sort of deal like they are really good at their jobs because they just do it yeah. every week like multiple times a week yeah and and without getting those reps in like how could you ever have that quality of content you, you just kind of can't you have to practice something to be good at it mm-hmm. which is why i'm really sympathetic i know honor is like a league of legends esports fan he talks about it mm-hmm. on twitter occasionally and i'm really sympathetic to him like admiring them but also magic is just not at that level <laughs> it's just not there's just no way to get there it's also you know it's a totally different viewing experience yeah, at a baseline course. level but also just the number of tournaments the amount of coverage the amount of money involved in it the resources available to put together coverage just are leagues and leagues apart and it's always like league of legends and esports types games even though fighting game commentary has been around forever but most of the time mm-hmm. they are just just either just hype manning most of the time those people are also really good at their jobs but it's a completely different vibe than anything else yeah I don't really know what it would take to establish stronger coverage and a bench of people who are capable of doing it. But I mean, the number one thing it would take for it are resources available. (laughs) Yeah, it's just money. Like, I I just don't know the extent of having that available that would be required to get us there. The only amount of the only entity with that kind of money willing, not even willing to spend it. It's like Wizards of the Coast, right? Because I don't see the only ones with the pockets face-to-face or doing anything like that which makes it so wild that flesh and blood even has commentary because it's a much poorer game and they just care enough to just make sure it's like at most events it's entirely funded by the publisher right like that's like they're just doing it well yes and no because there's there's a bunch of nationals recently and they didn't Mm -hmm. pay for any coverage except for u.s nationals because it's just by far Mm. the biggest like they didn't even have new zealand nationals coverage like Canadian nationals, they just did their own coverage because they wanted to, and they paid people for it. Not very well, from what I understand, but they did pay people for it. (laughs) Like they had coverage, and other countries also did. But the only one LSS paid for was the United States one. Huh. I wonder. Yeah. I I guess I just don't know what the difference is here. Probably priority type deal. I mean, I like I get it. Like TOs are pulled in like a thousand different directions and are struggling just to break even on a tournament generally. Like it is really hard. I, like I'm more surprised that any flesh and blood TOs are able to pull it off th- than I am surprised that Magic TOs are not able to get it to get it going. Yeah, yeah, that that's also surprising. Oh, UK also had commentary, which you know was weird too because they moved the tournament because the Queen died when it was supposed to be held. <laughs> <laughs> and of, of course the entire country is supposed to shut down when the queen dies because that makes sense but you know well the queen doesn't die that often i guess it's it's a very strange thing for a country to have a queen yes it's like a, a country that has a unicorn or something i found the canadian quarter the other day just uh in the office there's just one on the table or something i'm like oh this has a moose on it it was an elk and it has queen elizabeth on the other side i'm like ah. Oh, just like American money. There's a dead person on the back. And then I learned... Finally getting with the times. 
that yeah they have to change all changing all the money why i thought canada was free (laughs) from england monarchy and tradition and you know we have our own fair share of weird traditions and stuff but yes the changing all of the money is a is a surprisingly expensive thing to be doing yeah it's it's very mind-boggling i just like that there's a moose on the backside and you know there should be other animals on the other side right we don't need the dead queen or a living king for however all money should have animals on them yes i agree with that i'm okay with uh vegetables like a pumpkin or whatever too if you want a pumpkin quarter yeah on one side or like sports facts or something yeah sure make it interesting just anything i I liked the state quarters they did because they had different stuff on the back fewer slave owners more (laughs) literally anything else on money i think would be good yeah then we could flip a coin and call like you know turkeys or pumpkins (laughs) it's the october pumpkin bees are great give me give me five bees for a quarter Hey everyone, welcome to episode 266 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castorapple, with me is Lee McLeod. Hey Lee! Hi Chris, I could really feel the drum roll in your voice as you were gearing up to say Lee McLeod. Yeah, I had a little had a little rhythm to it yeah. and then a, a, a pause and then we get there. It was a nice little flourish. I'm just excited to talk to you about magic today, Lee. I do like talking about magic. I think this is our last episode before spoiler season for Bro officially starts. Are you familiar with how they're doing the spoiler season this time? I'm never, ever <laughs> familiar with how they're doing the spoiler season. Okay, so so from I, so no. what I understand, uh, this weekend is Magic 30, the Las Vegas tournament slash thing. Not really an exclusive tournament. It's more of a just thing. <laughs> well, it is exclusive. Yes. Very expensive <laughs> to attend Magic 30. But it's sort of like a cross between a con and it has a main event a tournament uh, that's modern. At this convention type deal, they're going to have a bunch of guests and stuff. Uh, and most of the set will just be revealed this weekend. Almost all of it is what I hear. Okay, well then we'll have lots to talk about. By the time Tuesday rolls around and we record again next week, it's going to be like, oh, here are 230 of the 400 or the 300 Brotherhood cards. Well, hopefully that helps with RC prep then. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, can't can't put the cards in your Moto deck, but it'll at least give you time to think about it if you want to put the cards in your deck. Oh, and it is. I did learn that you can buy singles and such when the pre-release yeah. starts, which I did not know. Yes, that's that's very important for this particular pre-release date. It's never since, been uh, more relevant. Also, I, I celebrate Wizards for abolishing the pre-release. Like, they're still calling it a pre-release, and it is a pre-release as you have played it in, you know, every three months forever. Mm-hmm. But it's just a release tournament now. Like, the cards are out. You can buy them. You can Which is fine. Yeah. Which is perfect. That's Not all having the cards wanted. out is very silly like yes have have a limited tournament to like celebrate the release of the set that's like the first thing that you can do great the gap of just a week where you can't buy the cards is nonsense so yeah i've i've been against that for a very long time ever since it was relevant to get 
cards for tournaments like the following week and it's just have a huge scramble mm-hmm. every time now it's just a release but we still call it pre-release which is like brand recognition i guess people like pre-releases i think that's fine, which is fine. i have no problem with that whatsoever what i wanted is the no, no lull between the release and the pre-release and that's what it is now yeah if, if we can dagger watsy for you know everything that we hate that they do we can at least like appreciate once in a while when some when a nice change is made and yeah this is being a able good to get the cards it's just good all right so should we talk about some pioneer results a little bit more work involved in tracking down the results <laughs> these days i had to ask i was looking for them on monday i think yeah yesterday uh i couldn't find where the deck lists were <laughs> Because the Moto migrated their server, like a new publisher is taking over or something like that. Wizards isn't handling all in-house anymore. So they migrated everything and the decklist page just stopped working. So I had to go to handy dandy fire shoes Twitter and wait for him to post them. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So definitely fire shoes Twitter, good resource if, if like me your magic online decklist bookmark that you've used for the past decade plus no longer functions you can go to fire shoes twitter or what is really nice is the format specific subreddits so r slash modern magic and r slash pioneer mtg they have recurring threads each week that break down the challenge results and even when the challenge results are difficult to find the people involved in making them are quite diligent and figure out how to get them so that's usually a pretty good resource to get updated results even if uh you're not really sure where where they live anymore also a little bit complicated and i apologize if we mess this up they have listed the deck lists in swiss standings order and so we see like this listed as Salvato, Luis Salvato in first place. He was only in first place at the end of the Swiss and lost in the quarterfinal or lost in the semifinals and actually did not win the tournament. So may screw up like exactly what position people in the top eight ended up in. But we'll try to get like the winning deck lists right at least. I, and I've noticed some of the cards are just kind of missing here and there like in in the modern challenge mm-hmm. there's a deck pretty early on it's just missing five cards just straight up has a 55 card main deck and a 15 card sideboard <laughs> presumably played some number of legal deck but <laughs> we don't know well one player in one of these pioneer challenges somehow managed to register two different decks finished in like one position finished in like 15th place or something but finished in 15th place with both mono green and rectos so good deck choices yeah great deck choices by that player (laughs) two decks to a tournament like fantastic work so you know the the transition to daybreak games not not the smoothest possible but also not bad like moto's up like i've been playing leagues it works and that's I don't really care about that much yeah. else. It's really, really good transition for as large a software as Magic Online is. Like it, it was down for nine or ten hours, and then it was just ready to go. Yeah, and the infrastructure that it is built on, like the the programming language, includes like apparently hard coded references to like server addresses and stuff, oh, and so no. that's why it was like 
It's and and that's so that's not necessarily like an incompetency sort of thing. That's just because it's built on an old programming yeah. language because the software is so old, and that's just part of the programming language. But that's why the transition was like a little bit complicated, is because they had to, and that's why you had to download a new client in order to play Magic Online. And then you got the to hear client. the startup music, and you know it's just great stuff. Yeah, you get to reset all of your stops, reset all of your shortcuts. Just it's a joy. I did enjoy Caleb's tweet about uh, it sucks that some people forgot to import over their collection before the deadline, but that's just how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> you you don't have to. You, your yeah. collection is still there. Yeah, that's a joke tweet. It was good though. That, that's that's a joke tweet. I had a weird thing happen with a collection thing i could not get fables of the mirror breaker from mana trader a couple of weeks ago and so i i borrowed them from one of our listeners who was super helpful it really appreciated it and then mana traders was able to give me fables and so i rented the the fables and then i gave those fables back to the person that i had borrowed them from identical fables just regular neon dynasty fable of the mirror breaker not showcase not foil not anything weird about them not a promo thing but the managers wouldn't take back the fables that had not originally come from them i have no idea how they track this so i eventually had to like trade four fables for four fables <laughs> and then <laughs> then managers took them I, I don't know at all what happened there, but... Was that on old Magic Online or new Daybreak Magic Online? That was on old Magic Online. It's all the same stuff. Yeah, but I'm just curious if like the new stuff had anything to do with it. it yeah, I know. It, it definitely didn't, but it was very weird. Anyways, Pioneer Challenges. Looking at the breakdown here, unsurprisingly, Rakdos Midrange a huge proportion of the metagame, either five or six copies in the top 32 of the Saturday challenge. We, we don't know. Uh, seven copies in the top 32 of the Sunday challenge. Likewise with mono green, either seven or eight copies in the top 32 of the Saturday challenge, six copies in the top 32 of the Sunday challenge. These decks are still really, really good. This just isn't changing about the format. Small changes to the composition of the decks, more so to Rakdos than Mono Green. But these are the two decks in the format. Can't go too wrong by registering either of these. And you can go very wrong by registering something that you don't have a plan for one or both of these decks. Yeah, I... And the, the split, the seven or eight decks, is because that <laughs> one person got to register both decks. <laughs> yes. Which is not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so it's either you know two different people or just something i have no idea what happened there but yes but yeah the, these decks are fantastic and it's, they're not oppressive necessarily but they kind of feel like it in that if you're not showing up to do something against these decks specifically you're in a bad spot uh, which mm -hmm. i know a lot of people are not keen on pioneer because of that it's just a tough place to get caught between because Cards that are good against Rakdos are bad against Mono Green. Cards that are good against Mono Green are bad against Rakdos. And it is almost like the Venn diagram of like cards and strategies that you want for those are is like two separate circles. It is tough to navigate this without just playing one or the other of these two decks. Yeah, and there's Oh, I wanna can I jump the shark on the Grease Wing? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Because that's been a deck that's been, you know in contention people are trying to figure it out and battle with it and 
our impression was that it's not really quite ready. Mm-hmm. And no, literally no one showed up with a single copy of Grease Fangs in these <laughs> results. There are zero copies of the card Grease Fang. Coming at the format sideways is tough. I, I'm i not figuring out clear ways to do it. And Grease Fang, one of the ones that showed some early promise, just not delivering as the meta gets very standardized and people's lists become just good copies of those lists. It's it's really hard to be doing. Specifically, this this deck that's vulnerable to instant speed removal, graveyard hate, and Karn. Karn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just one of the better cards in the mono green deck in the first place. It, yeah. I, I don't think this is like the death knell for Greasefang or anything. Like it, it sure. didn't show up in both challenges this weekend, but I think people are still going to try and play it. But I think from right now, it's pretty clear that the deck as it's currently being built is just not going to do it. Right. It, it's going to need some sort of shot in the arm, a, a different a different strategy of attack in order to get there. So I think a deck that has kind of taken its place as sort of a sideways way of attacking the metagame, even though the deck itself is extremely straightforward, it's it's a, one of the like simplest ways to build a deck that you may have done when you were like playing Magic when you were 10 years old is the Gruul Stompy deck. Is is I guess it's Stompy is what people are calling it, but it's eight elves, a lot of three drops and vehicles is sky basically sovereign. the thing sky sovereign just ruling the skies of pioneer and this gruel deck has just kind of shown up more each weekend this weekend it won the saturday challenge showed up in the top eight of the sunday challenge as well just this like elves into strong three drops the synergies of like reckless storm seeker with the vehicles there's just like a lot of good stuff going on there it hits hard its cards get value when you are just registering for sky sovereigns you are just straight up advantaged against rectos and then it has a legitimate plan against mono green mostly leaning on the acroan war we are not seeing the nissa's defeats in as many numbers anymore who knows whether that ever was the right thing whether it will be the right thing again the new plan seems to be end the festivities i think that that is a way to get you a little bit more removal for their elves and then it's also very applicable to other matchups i don't know if the four of end the festivities in the sideboard of this saturday list is like correct and the festivities is one red to deal one to all of their stuff yeah but. and maybe a little bit of a nod towards the gruel the bushwhacker deck that doom Lake did well with yeah yeah exactly there are a decent number of legion loyalists in the leagues and this is the card that you want when when they're casting that spell. Yeah, because they're just they're just not gonna beat two removal spells in a creature. Like that's just not gonna happen, especially if that creature's love struck beast. Game's over. Yes. If your hand is end the festivities, love struck beast lands, like they just can't beat it. End the festivities like one mana to kill two to four creatures is a very good card. And Love Struck Beast is just four mana to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Love Struck Beast also has been getting picked up a little bit in the mono green decks in the flex slots i tried it and was generally unimpressed by it i think it's fine against like exactly the atarka red deck to buy you a fair amount of time against like kind of all of the other decks in the format all of the other aggro decks it just like the blockers are not that effective and they don't really contribute to your main plan and then they're atrocious in the mirror and versus Rakdos and versus like blue white control and stuff. So I don't know if this is a thing that should stick around, but 
they are good in the Atarka matchup and like medium to acceptable against the other aggro decks. So if that's what you're playing against a lot of, then they're fine. But Lovestruck Beast has never stopped White Weenie, so just keep that in mind. There's also like the Brave the Elements kind of deal. That's yeah, the whole point of White Weenie right now. Not right, even Weenie, exactly. just mono white, white creatures. Here's and... here's Adeline attacking you for you know some ungodly amount with protection from green. Good luck. <laughs> also, a Goblins deck in the Saturday Challenge that is constructed in a way that I think makes a lot more sense than other goblin decks we it, it is actually trying to do something specific rather than just being a hodgepodge of goblins it's a lot of lords it's cheap goblins and it's a set of goblin ringleaders as a reload with goblin war chief and then a bunch of goblins that have that get their costs reduced and you can really spit your hand out onto the table pretty easily doing like a weird little like legacy goblins impression kind of thing but obviously without several of the more broken things that that make it really work but i i i respect it i runvelt horde master is just a hell of a magic card yeah this is kind of when we saw early goblin decks a month or so ago uh, i was hoping that they would go towards i remember calling out finder street denizen and the two mana guy that makes another one instigator is that what that's called yeah yeah Yeah, goblin instigator as just like cheap ways to do engines and then once you're there you can refill with the uh, horde master and the ringleader and you're just that you're just a normal goblins deck i I don't think you have much flexibility but you've got a good a plan (laughs) and i i appreciate the playset of battle cry goblins just like a criminally underrated to drop that is like secretly a lord or two lords when you need to just deal lethal we, we called that one out too right With a, a, yeah. like a month or so ago it also makes another dude which is a, it's another form of like an instigator slash lord yes and because you have goblin war chief in particular to like give your stuff haste like if you untap with a goblin war chief you can just put a billion haste power into play with this deck i'm, I'm like kind of into this so yeah, I, I like this deck, but I, it doesn't really suit me in that it's more, you've got an A plan and you don't have a B plan, which mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of, but it is a good, I think it's a good enough A plan and hitting I mean, the top your of A plan is, just, yeah. is creatures and your B plan is more creatures. Like that's, I mean, your A plan is I'm playing creatures and I'm never going to run out because I've got yeah. all these card advantage goblins and that's, yeah good it's just it's your it's just your one thing you know (laughs) yeah i mean there aren't really like hate cards that function against this it's just like they want to have removal spells and a way to kill you back before like ringleader draws you enough cards to like kill them i don't know i i i want to play this list because i'm very interested in seeing just how this matches up against the two most popular decks and then just like random nonsense i kind of suspect it may be better against Rakdos than mono green but maybe i'm just being crazy and overestimating the card advantage here i i think that like i think it's probably like the four goblin ringleaders is a very like appealing thing to exist and and also the four, you know horde master is just built in like pretty strong against that kind of stuff so uh i i'm into the idea of it but yeah i think that it's probably very play draw dependent against mono green as like most creature decks tend to be if they're playing a turn three cavalier of thorns on the play like it doesn't really matter what creatures you have in your deck you're just gonna die to that 
Yeah, yeah. The the story of Pioneer. <laughs> <laughs> what else is going on here? Phoenix is showing up significantly more these days. Copy in the top eight on Saturday, won the challenge on Sunday, and then more lists in the top 32s actually was kind of surprising to me because I've been playing, I you know, continuing to play it kind of like alternating leagues with it and other decks. And over the past couple of days, I have really felt the shifts in people's builds, making it very unfriendly to Phoenix. And this may be an artifact of leagues. Like I played two leagues in a row where I played against mono green zero times. I played against Rakdos a couple of times. I played against blue white control three times and you know it's just a weird metagame but like a lot of rest in pieces i got leyline of the voided out of rakdos which seems that's bizarre. which really caught me off guard just like a, a lot of bad stuff happening to me but it is showing up more than it was a couple of weeks ago in these challenges and doing just fine i mean winning the sunday challenge is a pretty decent accomplishment I think the truth of Phoenix kind of lies somewhere in the middle of mm -hmm. it doing really well at the box, uh, taking kind of both first and second. And then that stretch of time for like three or four weeks where just no one played it, it never showed up. I don't yeah. think the deck is that weak, but I definitely don't think it's as dominant as you would kind of apply it to a mox result like that. Sure. Yeah, it's it's certainly not dominant in any way. I had a, like a streak of leagues where I was just like riding high on considering into treasure crews, like like having the removal spells when I needed them and just not doing worse than 4-1 for like several leagues in a row. And then my last couple of leagues, I just like haven't been able to buy a win for love or money. Some of that has been like, oh, look, another rest in peace. But a lot of that has just been like, wow, I like considered, considered, and I'm not making my land drops, or I, I just like didn't draw the cantrips, and so now all of my cards are really bad, and you know, there just is some variance to the draws of the deck, which is kind of how Pioneer works in some ways, but... I think that's generally an artifact of cantrip decks like that, too. Mm -hmm. Like, if your cantrips have like this huge variance to them, it, it can lead to where you're just like digging for lands and you don't really want to, and you're not getting your, your free arc light triggers because you don't have like quiet enough ways to get them in the graveyard. The yeah. way that modern just it was trivial, right? With faithless looting and stuff well, like faithless that. Faithless looting was a pretty good magic card. <laughs> yeah, but when your your power card in this deck is treasure cruise instead of like faithless looting, there is a real right. cost to spending your wheels. Yeah, yeah. When, when your payoff is a card that like requires setup rather than just like a card that does it. And I don't actually know which one is more broken between Faithless Looting and Treasure Cruise, but in Pioneer, I think Faithless Looting would be pretty nuts. So you could also play it with Treasure Cruise, so <laughs> probably uh, that, a good thing true. that it's not legal. <laughs> so because of that, I think Treasure Cruise is probably but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did get some weirdos showing up. Uh, a grinning Ignis deck made top eight. Uh, weirdos showing up in the Sunday challenge specifically. The the anything goes challenge. That it is, it's just chaos. Cause what the the pioneer challenges on on Sunday are during the day for Americans, but like starting in the morning. I I, I guess I don't know what I guess I don't know what what that means necessarily. The Saturday challenge starts in the evening for Americans, which means that like generally Europeans are not gonna 
I'm not going to start playing a tournament at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night unless you're like very invested in in Pioneer. So I don't I don't know what crowd is like really bringing the nonsense here, but Sunday challenges tend to be a little loopier. Uh, I mean, we've got Grinning Ignis combo in the top eight of this one. This is, yeah, a Risen Reef version, which makes a lot more a lot of sense. That that version seems a lot better than the version that can't do anything except cast terrible creatures and hope your opponent dies to some combination of them. I still like Defiler of Instinct in this deck. I think it's very good in this specific yes. deck. <laughs> Every time, I, and I've seen this deck on stream a couple of times. I still haven't played against it again, but I've seen people... Pl- other people play against it every time the deck is doing something like oh shoot is this deck good it's because defiler of instinct is in play yeah i I think you can steal wins without defiler of instinct but defiler of instinct is so strong in this type of shell yeah like it just has so many synergy pieces i still think the answer to oh shoot is this deck good is no but you know I'll keep. My, I'll continue keeping my eye on this a little bit. I, I think your cards are just too weak. Like you can, yeah. the engine pieces are pretty good. Like Risen Reef and Burgie are, and mm-hmm. Hazardous Monument to an extent, are both like. Those are all cards that do something pretty good with Grinning Agnes. It's just that every other card you use to fill out your deck is kind of bad. Yes, and your margins are like very thin. So and they're not good you- bad where they like can't be interacted with or, or do other stuff they're just like bad bad they just sit on the board and don't do anything or they're line orals or something yeah it, it's just like prosperous innkeeper isn't carrying anything on it it's not doing literally anything on its own right it it needs to be combined with like at least two other cards to start functioning and the way this deck wins if you don't know and we're just referencing grinning ignis combo is it usually <laughs> just uses like uh witty roast master or the defiler i guess to just ping your opponent over and over again when you're casting your grinning ignises over and over and over again. <laughs> yes, and Prosperous Innkeeper allows you to gain, gain infinite life. Well, finite life. <laughs> so, so depending on on you know how you're getting your mana, if you're using the Defiler of Instinct, then it helps you to not pay quite as much life in order to keep doing that. But um, yeah, there there are a lot of one of the cute things that it yeah, can do. One of the neat things with Defiler and Innkeeper specifically, if you're doing that with uh, Grinning Agnes, is you can ping their creatures away instead yes. of them. So it gives you some measure of board control, which the deck otherwise does not have. But still not going to recommend this one quite yet. I can reasonably recommend I think the Atarkas Command deck is totally fine. If you love playing Red Aggro decks, this is this is one of them (laughs) if they don't have exactly the right removal spells to respond to your opening hand onslaught they die if they do have the right ones eh, it gets it gets a lot harder you have some reach with the targus command but the engines and pioneer come online pretty quickly once they've dealt with your initial onslaught things can go south pretty quickly with this deck but you can also deal a lot of damage very very quickly so that's that's just what's going on yeah i think a, a lot of the like i don't think this is a head head shoulders favorite over like another aggro deck like gruel like the gruel mid-range deck or mono white mm-hmm. it's just like different flavors flavors of how you want to attack the format yeah like i don't i don't no. think there's any like clear standout uh and also i kind of think that this deck almost couldn't exist except that they printed phoenix chick Yes. I think that like actually 
makes the deck so much better. Like it gains legitimate chunks of percentage points in like almost every matchup because yeah. it's Phoenix so good in this is deck. Incredible. Uh, uh, Commando faces Kakazan also an incredible magic card. Yes, yeah. Makes me hopeful that we're gonna be printing <laughs> cards that cost less than three mana into standard <laughs> that are actually relevant in other formats you know something something to punish somebody for starting on fable of the mirror breaker as their like first, first play spell every game. yeah like yeah. here's two triumphs into fable of the mirror breaker or wedding announcement like all right i get it <laughs> in the uh current standard shakeup event on arena which is the one where they just like ban, a, know, bunch of random ban cards. a bunch of standard cards fable not banned in that standard shakeup they listed like a bunch of cards that kind of don't see any standard play but you're, you're definitely just allowed to put a set of fable of the mirror breaker in your deck god i hope they ban leyland binding in standard that thing shows up in legacy just really <laughs> shaking up eternal formats well specifically no, legacy no need to ban uh expressive iteration or anything in delver because you know leyland binding is shaking up that format if we tried to ban something from Delver, and I know this is like legacy content, how would it remain the best deck for the last eight years? Yeah, that's it. It really does have like the longest streak in Magic history. It's just a good shell. Truly, nothing to be done. Says the only deck. Says the only format where this routinely happens. <laughs> the the out of touch people at the top are the only ones who like refuse to recognize the prop that there is a problem. Yeah, or something. <laughs> Luckily, I don't. I don't have to really engage with legacy. Although it's weird because, and we're tangenting now, but uh, a lot of my Magic Twitter follows are legacy players because I mm -hmm. think they're just generally really passionate and very funny. Like I genuinely enjoy a lot of these people, and and a lot of old heads which just kind of stick around and like make yeah. it to the follow list. Yeah, basically. But yeah, but yeah I, I, I tend to agree. Uh, another tribal deck in 11th place with zombies here. This is this is a quad Dark Salvation zombies deck. Really just bringing back some, some Pro Tour memories. It's like all good cards. Kind of similar to just the mid-range decks generally in Pioneer. It's just that you've replaced your creatures with... Cryptbreaker, Shambling Gas, and Lazatep Reaver over uh, some of the more powerful options that you could in order to enable your Dark Salvation. Yeah, I don't know if that is quite worth it, but I do yeah. enjoy the, you know, all good cards, like Lazatep Reaver. I like Lazatep Reaver. <laughs> that, that one is the stretch, but the curve with Cryptbreaker is, like, nice. Yeah, it's very good. If, like, you're into drawing a card for, a man, for you know, that curve. Yeah. And doing that for as much as you need to while continuing to play cards like Shambling Ghast and Lazdep Reaver. That's like the cost to doing that. <laughs> yeah, but when you're drawing a bunch of cards, Shambling Ghast at least is like, is good, you know, and Lazdep Reaver is, is two thirds of the way to drawing another card every turn. If they kill your Crypt Breaker, then. I just kind of wish this deck a little tougher. did something it, other than the. Like, I know, it just unique, goes up to Shield Engine. Right, yeah, you're it, just playing. Your end game is Shieldred and Cletus. It kind of makes sense because like those are the good cards, so I like get it. But yeah, th there's nothing like crazy going on here. It's just using the zombies 
as your card advantage engine and then you get like one efficient powerful removal spell potentially though your your fatal pushes are noticeably worse than Rakdos's because you're not swimming in treasure tokens or blood tokens or anything like that like it's you've true. got four crypt breakers and some deadly disputes and that's it yeah i mean deadly dispute contributes a lot to making fatal push good but it's got awkward timing windows it does yeah not having blood or Fable of the Mirror Breaker is is definitely a thing there. Yeah. So you, you are you do a Dark Salvation, which is very good in this deck, especially if you ever get to make any zombies with it. Uh, but you do suffer a little bit by your Fatal Pushes not being all that better. And yeah. it's not like Rakdos's Fatal Pushes are you know busting the bank down. Rakdos mid range sacrifices are still good. <laughs> sacrifices are are quite good when they bring those. <laughs> yeah. There's a throwback bolus's citadel sacrifice deck here in 13th place <laughs> again sunday you know, just a just a wild just time whatever you want to do man you can sunday sunday challenges is where dreams are made the mono red deck in 14th place is splashing white for chain to the rocks and showdown of the scalds which is i mean you know showdown really powerful refill engine but the organization of this curve, which is Swift Spear, Soulscar Mage, Phoenix Chick, 16 one drops because you have Kumano Faces, Kakazan as well. Bone Crusher Giant is like a three drop and a, a burn spell. And then you've got your card drawing spells, and then you've got your four mana showdown of the Skelds in your 21 land deck. This one's a stretch to me. <laughs> I think this deck is trying to do a lot of what the Atarka deck does. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably at a little less efficient rate yeah like they're, yeah, they're very similar right. in how the games play out it's just that you get a like a removal and chain to the rocks and then show it on the skulls and the drop spells are good but they don't like you're trading something there and i don't i don't think you're necessarily getting it all back yeah i agree also want to note nasif's blue blacklist that he's been playing a lot this is a narset Days Undoing deck. Of course. <laughs> that I, I think is doing two things. I think it is basically like allowing Nasif to play cards that he likes playing and play magic in a way that he enjoys and his chat enjoys watching him play and then succeeding on his play skill more than a lot of <laughs> anything else that's going on. And also people play badly against it and don't know that they're about to get like six mana combo <laughs> mind twisted and then Nissi draws seven and then they die. I, I don't know exactly like what's the the weight of each of the ingredients here, but you know, the deck is sweet unless you play a lot of cards that people like and it, it's looked very fun. It's also looked pretty vulnerable to the good stuff in the format. Yeah, I, I agree with your assessment that this is Nassif's pet deck, and it's very cute, and mm-hmm. Nassif is very good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we can't we can't skip over the other Narset deck in this Sunday challenge. The oh, five-color yes. Super Friends for Interplanar Beacon. <laughs> this is the most Sunday challenge deck that ever Sunday challenged, I think. It's got a Kaya the Inexorable in it. <laughs> Just a perennial pioneer playable the curve of this deck just straight up starts at three like the only things Whoa. you can do below three are two heart of kirin which don't do anything <laughs> until turn three and the 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 front side of fey of wishes which is just a one four flyer for two hey a one four flyer for two 
it does a lot of good when you plan on blocking for your planeswalkers you plan on playing for the next eight turns <laughs> yeah i mean and it's good against phoenix chick and it gains you a life when you know you get to deafening clarion to clear out their various yeah, one yeah. ones and then you get to swing for one with lifelink and the it's it's a wish board of course because there's fey of wishes and it's just got straight up two ultimatums that are not the ones you're thinking of <laughs> that are only castable when you have seven lands and fires of invention in play yeah it's it's got inspired ultimatum which is the Jeskai one that's the gain five deal five draw five mm-hmm. and then eerie ultimatum which is uh regrowth for any number of cards with different names <laughs> that's the absent one i love inspired ultimatum oh it's got I a love... ruinous ultimatum too oh, oh my yeah. god they they packed in all of the ultimatums that they could i love the inspired ultimatum play pattern which is like i have this fires in play in seven mana all right i'll cast granted all right i'll cast inspired ultimatum i'll draw five cards your turn because that was my second spell <laughs> Yeah, no card. No, don't worry. No, no spells during your turn. Yeah, I'm not doing anything now. Don't. You, you can do what you want now, but I may have survive. I did gain five. Mayhaps I will sacrifice a or cycle a shark typhoon. <laughs> I yes. I also love the. You know, my curve is the highest that you've ever seen in Pioneer. Let's just also add in a couple of shark typhoons because they are very good when you have fires of invention in play. I, this is a I, I appreciate this deck. It just oh, knows yeah. what it's about. It's got four Narset in and one Days Undoing in the sideboard, so you can wish for it. This deck's first play in like fifty percent of games is just Narset Parter avails on turn three. Hey, you could gain a life off that Inner Player Beacon. That that mm-hmm. actually adds up because you're gonna need as much life as you can get. <laughs> It's just like a lot of confidence in these deafening three deafening clarions, three supreme verdicts to like people are just putting lots of creatures on the board, right? That's what I'm scared of. And kind of, yeah, like clear the creatures out and your planeswalkers can do work. I mean, yeah, that's that's what Pioneer does, yeah. To, to be honest, there's not that much else in Pioneer other than people putting creatures in the play. So Yeah. So and Traxon, fifteenth place, Sunday Pioneer Challenge. We we salute you. Yeah, great well job. Done. Yeah, good work. Okay. Also, yeah, putting this mana base together, just you have to get like an Enigma machine to do it for you. I well, no, that can't have been the that can't have been how this mana base was assembled because there's just still a Gaia Reach Sanitary in it for Narset <laughs> in your like five color deck. Which well, that's that's in a spell slot. Don't worry about that. I th- okay, sure. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we can we can keep going now. I I just can, had to. Can I, we? I couldn't let you skip through that. What? How could we possibly follow that? Uh, some more enigmatic incarnation showing up. This is a deck that I think is kind of like saddled by the list that exists and needs somebody to give it some TLC in order to bring it to a level where it's like able to do something. Uh, I think there's simultaneously too many nonsense creatures in it and also they are not always covering the things you need to cover and also the mana base doesn't function super well and a big part of that is like making black mana early for trial of ambition which uh, you know when i've tried this deck has just been the worst magic card that you could possibly 
put into your hand in a constructed format. Just two mana sorcery speed edict and pioneer is miserable against everybody. And I I understand that the concept is like, you know, just survive as best you can and then cast enigmatic incarnation and the accumulated value from that will make up for it but this is an 80 card deck with four enigmatic incarnations so you can't actually afford to cast two mana sorcery speed edicts in anticipation of doing that when it doesn't happen often enough to to make it worth it so there's work to be done to make this deck good but there is something powerful there like there's a reason that it does win the matches it wins but there's bad cards that need to get out of it so the list i one of the lists I'm looking at is S'more in 12th place on Saturday, who mm-hmm. correctly identified Trial of Ambition is not very good and just cut it. It's just not this oh, deck. Beautiful. Okay, yeah. Uh, I do think the creature base still needs some work because there's a lot of just cards in it. But <laughs> Sie- Siege Rhino made it into this one. That... Yeah, I, it sure did. It really did. Uh, the only three that you're that you can sacrifice to get that is your fable of the mirror breaker so i don't know i don't i don't know about the seizure i know well you're just planning on casting i think most of the time you know (laughs) (laughs) yes ideal but it's choices like that that emphasize to me that yeah this this deck is it's really sweet and when it's doing its thing it's pretty good like it's it's hard to outvalue but you can also just die to mono green doing their whole thing. Oh yeah, for sure. But this is exactly the swap actually that I was thinking of is taking out trial of ambition and putting in wolf willow Haven, do your thing faster instead of like badly slowing them down. And I think also removing some of your leaning on black mana, although you have to have some number of swamps because you're playing ley line binding and uh, but weirdly enough, like callous blood mage is non-negotiable in the deck. So you you do need black mana in case you draw that card. Why is it non-negotiable? You got to exile graveyards. Like, it's just too important and too good. Okay. Playing this deck and playing against it, the number of games that Callous Blood Mage has just been the most important thing going on is uh, it would shock you. <laughs> no, I, I believe it. I just hoped there was an equivalent creature, but I, it makes I, sense that there just isn't. I, I just don't think that there is. I, I was like, I, I didn't do like an intense Scryfall Specifically search a three like, drop that exiles a bunch of cards from graveyards. Yeah. And it needs to be a three drop because threes are so Twos. much easier to yeah. get than everything else. And it needs to get all of the cards in their graveyard. And this is just the one that does it. So there, there, there you go. And it also has the alternate modes when you draw it. The only awkward thing is that it's black. And looks like, did we... Yeah, okay, so also did cut the Scarab God from this list, but still playing. Like, I I was incredibly impressed by the Scarab God when I was playing the deck. It was just like the five that when you got it, when you had a Fires of Invention, would end the game against everybody. I didn't know if it was like necessary, necessary, so I could see cutting it. But I I felt like I was only actually incentivized to cut it if I was taking out like most of the black mana from the deck for like mana base considerations and as long as i'm making enough black mana to like have gloom shrieker in my deck then i i i don't know that you actually really want to cut the the scarab god from well, it. you you got to remember ccr when you're building these kind of decks you have to choose between uh the scarab god and siege rhino 
and the Scarab God just didn't win this fight. There are more aggro decks in the format. There are more Atarka red decks now. So I get it. I get that Siege Rhino is much better against those decks than Scarab God is. And often, like, I did want a second something to gain, you know, I'd get a Tulsimir and I'd want something else to, like, gain me a couple of life. And Kenrith isn't always the thing that you can manage to do. And and so, like, I get the the draw of Siege Rhino, but it does not quite seem like what you want given that you are sacrificing a fable of the mirror breaker to get it into play yeah or gloom shaker or, or gloom shaker <laughs> it's true you can chain up to it with gloom shaker that's that's <laughs> true uh anyways mono green still really good rakdos still really good although you are running face first into the fleet of sky sovereigns uh patrolling the metagame so oh, if you skies. are just Okay. playing one yes well <laughs> both if you are choosing one of the two between the two best decks and you're just trying to maximize your win rate right now i think mono green is the thing that is being directly targeted less in game ones and that that is probably the spot that i would want to be in to to win the most but Rakdos is still pretty good i mean play some abrades and that will help and there's the, your cards are strong Yep. Just play the good cards. <laughs> yep. Rakdos's mantra, right? Um, yeah, I don't really have much to add. I I know that the, the RC is coming up pretty soon. Like it, we've got not that many weeks left. Brothers War is going to mm. be or Brothers, yeah, this is Brothers War. Yeah, it's going to be spoiled probably by the end of this weekend, and then we're just going to try to have to figure out how to build Pioneer decks with all the new cards. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I don't know how much impact they'll have, but. I'm hoping they'll have a we, lot because I don't want to deal we, with Mono Green Rectus forever until the end of time. If we get the artifact cards to let us build a a, a Maria deck or something like that, then you know. I mean, I, I would be happy with just um, tra- uh, what's the scissors card called? Insole um, artifact. Insole yes. artifact. Yeah. I I would be happy with just you know you can play Insole artifact and that's an aggro deck. Yeah, I think that would be a huge difference if that were allowed to exist. Yeah. Because Shrapnel Blast is such a good card. It's just Shrapnel you're Blast really playing with some clunkers. <laughs> Maybe they'll put Galv Blast in, the, in Brothers War. Put some Metalcraft cards in there. I'm sure. I feel like it's going to be a... I don't know how much they'll be doing, like, interacting with artifacts as opposed to just making a bunch of artifacts. Yeah. I feel like they're going to save all the, the artifact-y matters stuff like in mass for the all the phyrexia for the stuff phyrexia sets yeah because there's not going to be any colored artifact there's going to be one color artifact in this set and they're all colorless other than that so oh, i don't yeah because this is before they discovered that kind of technology yeah and i don't know how many pushed colorless artifacts you're planned uh, planning on like releasing into the world after having bitten by that bug so many times in the past sure who knows maybe uh the might stone and weak stone and urza it's just the end game that we're looking for i actually do like mishra's card a lot like not mishra himself as much the dragon engine mm-hmm. is really good i like that card a yeah. lot. yeah and then yeah. you can just play mishra because whatever and then the backside of that card is just a house you just win the game <laughs> and you, it's not even that game. hard to to you just have to attack with them both well, yeah, but that means you have to untap with your four drop in it. So, like, consider. Well, if, yeah, you do have to untap with the four drop. You have to do that you no to, matter what. 
But I don't have yes. to pay seven mana for it like I do to flip Urza. Right, right, right. But on top with a four drop and attack with it, like that's already the win condition of Rakdos is you untap with Shieldred and attack with it and the game is over. So, you know, I don't know that putting together more pieces into that equation is like getting you anywhere. Yeah, I don't necessarily know that I want uh, Mishra claimed by Phyrexia or whatever to be my end game as much as it is just like a singleton I could use with the Dragon Engine once in a while. Yeah. You know, while I'm playing my Shieldreds and whatnot. <laughs> I mean, I'm always, like, excited by the possibilities that, like, graveyard active cards represent. So, like, Unearth is just one of those mechanics that I'm like, ooh, does this, like, make any of these self-mill cards or whatever? Or, you know, even Fable of the Mirror Breaker or whatever. Like, does that, like, work well with any of them, you know? I like, <laughs> I like that your go-to is, hmm, how can I make cards to graveyard? Is Fable the Mirror Breaker a good one? Is that it's one like, playable? Yeah, yeah, that can one's pretty I, can good. Can I put these ones together? <laughs> you did it. <laughs> I mean, but that's that's what you want, right? You want your starting point, you want to be using like already playable cards oh, to yeah, absolutely. Your payoffs. Like <laughs> I, I'm not like really making fun of you because it's a good place to start always, but it is it is funny that Fable's just so flexible that you can you know, makes a treasure too. That's an artifact. <laughs> That's more um, for like you know next week, yes. When we see the brothers' cards. Now we were planning on checking in with modern a little bit. We don't need to get like too intense about that necessarily, but I just kind of want to like, you know, peek in on some of the deck lists, see what people are doing. I don't, we don't have a metagame established or anything, but we just we have ideas more than anything else. Also, breach is really good. Yeah, well, we we've been tooting that horn for a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but this is not a surprising place for the metagame to be. Yeah, we we may be covering some modern tournament at the Magic Thirty anyway. So it was, yeah, I got time to check in. The, yeah, there's a bit of a shakeup that Yorion has been banned, and a lot of people are just trying to figure out how to best utilize Omnath uh, in a bunch of different ways. I don't think there's been a a firm handle on how to best do that. Yes, a few a few different companions in these Omnath decks. Kahira being the most common because you just have your only creatures in there are elementals, so you can just kind of have Kahira. Another K one though, we get Karuga. Respect the cat, really waving the flag on the Karuga Omnath build. I don't need spells that have a mana value of less than three. I have incarnations for the first two turns of the game. Why would I? Why would I need cheap spells? It's pretty cute too. You get the touch of the spirit realm flicker as well, <laughs> trying to to do anything to cheat the three mana cost. <laughs> I, that see, that's actually something that I was like, you know, the 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 deck list that you kind of like daydream about, but you can't ever figure out how to actually put the sixty cards together to make it work. Like I wanted to, I I was thinking about a cascade deck that cascades into the you know return your enchantments to play and then use like incarnations and yeah yeah and and uses like incarnations and touch the spirit realm as your like early turns before you get to your cascade spell but there never was like a real incentive to build that deck over the other cascade decks but you know touch the spirit realm and incarnations did represent like a way to cheat early interaction into a deck that because of a cascade spell couldn't run cheap spells and in this case just cheats that early interaction into your karuga deck of all things in modern. while also being a three mana permanent 
which you can draw a card of Gurgle later. Yeah, if you have to Oblivion Ring something. Well, specifically an artifact or creature. <laughs> uh, yeah, can't get a, a Planeswalker or a, an Urza's Saga with that or anything or like that. Or a Leyline Binding, which no. is re- very relevant. Typically, it's good to you know get the binding out. This is the format that Leyline Binding is good in. Leyline Binding is extremely good in modern. Yes, it, it is very good. And, and Respect the Cat is been on four color for a very long time participated in the mocks has just been jamming four color for months so if this karuga version doesn't work out uh, he will definitely be trying something else in the omnat sphere until he gets it he figures it out yep eldrazi tron is did it win this tournament is that what happened here uh it did get first in the swiss it didn't win the tournament yeah, because this fit- is the, okay. the new moto deck list thing yes <laughs> he's also listed uh, twice <laughs> Yeah, a, f- a few decks are listed twice. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't really have words on Eldrazi Tron specifically. I think Modern's in a state of flux, and mm-hmm. you know, Chalice of the Void creatures is still reasonable. I Eldrazi Tron is incredibly good against Breach if you can, you know, take a minute yes. to think about it. it it's actually yeah. incredibly good against Breach. Yeah, lots of good stuff going on here. The Karn the Great Creator, very helpful to that equation. Anytime that Karn, you know, what we always say, anytime that Karn is two hate cards against somebody, then that matchup is good for the Karn deck. Yep, and you also have just the you know, main deck Chalice, Thodnots here. Mm-hmm. You're actually attacking them while you're disrupting them. It's it, it's yeah. rough. Yeah, that does seem like a pretty miserable matchup. It's not one you want to play if you're rolling up with uh, the Breach deck. And Breach did, I think, win the Sunday Challenge, or at least did very well no hammer won the sunday challenge of course because hammer always wins the sunday challenge <laughs> <laughs> but there there there's a sizable rise in the amount of breach decks since the press it's been getting for the last three weeks or so ever yeah. since Mangucci labeled it a c-tier c-tier deck on twitter i think is around the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah people really had to come out and prove him wrong on that one it did win the saturday challenge though it did okay great and and this was actually a fable version of the deck yeah people are trying out fable of mirror breaker now as just a mid-rangey card it's kind of going in with the urza sagas package uh, it's mm-hmm. just a decent threat not even a threat it's just it helps you bridge <laughs> yeah it, it just does a fair number of things that the deck appreciates i i think it's a little people are playing around with numbers and such i think it's a little on the expensive side you do have to shift your your mana base around like you're a 21 land deck with fours of sagas you're not always going to have a million mana to put fable of your breaker and to play at a good time while it's still relevant yeah you do you do want to like measure that well and i think it also makes a certain amount of sense with the if you have decided, like, man, I don't actually like running Ledger Shredder in this deck because of, like, how awkward it is with certain draws, particularly with Urza Saga, you can't really run Ledger Shredder and Fable of the Mirror Breaker because they are, that's another awkward curve for you to put together. But Fable then kind of, like, makes up for not having discard outlets and that churn that Ledger Shredder gives you, so it could be a thing that you prefer to have in your deck over Ledger Shredder. I also legitimately enjoy the Goblin Shaman token in this deck. Like, mm-hmm. it's really good. One of the best parts about Ragman is in this deck is that it makes a treasure, which is just fuel for everything. You're not a mana-hungry deck, per se, but you can just move, use your mana so efficiently that every mm-hmm. additional mana is gold. 
Yeah. And Fable the Mirror Breaker being able to provide you with treasure just like Ragavan is also incredibly valuable. Yep. And yeah, it lets definitely. you discard your grinding station, which is all you ever want to do when you draw the card. <laughs> so certainly a lot to like there, but you also have to be cautious because it is a three mana spell and this is modern and you know you're you're playing 21 lands yeah people are trying to mess around with uh we had alan last week talking about the ren and six breach and this one that won the challenge is just straight chess guy like you would expect Mm -hmm. to see uh but when you go into ren and six you start having access to a lot more mana and able to use fable of Breaker a lot better like you have a lot more cardboard to discard to generate extra cards and you just naturally have more lands because that's what ren six does uh, once you add ren into the deck i do think fable gets noticeably stronger yeah i mean that makes a lot more sense looting just generally becomes very good once you have run and six in your deck interestingly this other jeskai breach deck in the top eight running two season pyromancers yeah, the, the other Fable of the Mirror Breaker. <laughs> yeah, the other Fable of the Mirror Breaker. <laughs> I've been on record that I like Season Pyromancer just generally more than Fable of the Mirror Breaker in Modern. It just does more upfront and is mm-hmm. better. But I think that making the treasure token is just that good in the Breach mm-hmm. deck that you just shouldn't consider playing Pyromancer unless you have a really compelling reason. And I don't think that there is one given here. Yeah, that makes sense. Man, are there... How many breach decks are in this top eight? Is, it, is it's just three? It's it is just three breach decks in the top eight. There's three point. breach decks, yeah. And then the that, Sunday one has an additional at least two. That's that's a lot of breach decks, man. I people have figured out that the deck is pretty good and they're just willing to play it. Oh, I do want to talk about. I'm jumping around a little bit, but a deck I've noticed that I've been impressed with more has been a Jund Valakut deck. It got seventh in the Sunday challenge, seventh according to Moto. I don't actually know what it got. Whatever. It's in the top. Uh, <laughs> it's in the top eight. Uh, it's a a Ren Six Dryad deck with Soul of Wind Grace and Primeval Titan to just play this value land game with mm-hmm. you know Valakut the Molten Pinnacle as your engine and value like it's your payoff and your engine all in all rolled into one because soul of wind grace and red and six just let you use your lands so effectively Mm -hmm. that you just build up and build up and build up and you've got four wish so you can just wish into scape shift if you want to do that Uh, this deck has impressed me mostly because it's another deck that utilizes red and six very well again that's (laughs) yeah one of the better cards in modern so as long as you're playing a deck that can utilize that and that's also another reason why people are trying to keep working on four color it's one of the better ways to use red and six yeah just maximize that play four copies in 60 cards and there's a fair number of games that just more or less end because you cast it on turn two on the play and red and six soul wind grace just an excellent combo chef's kiss every time it's assembled you just feel really nice yeah on top of the world uh, don't I haven't seen too many games outside of uh, that. Like I, this is a relatively new area. I don't think many people are playing this Jun Valakut style deck, mm-hmm. uh, but it is interesting, and I am keeping my eye on it because I do like this deck. There's definitely something to like here, and also gives you a little bit more play and a little bit more stuff to do than just the like four Here's titans, three shifts, like yeah. all lands and ramp cards. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do like, think that's what I like about this as a scapeshift deck. Like, it, it plays scapeshift from the sideboard off a of wish. But yeah. your A plan is just 
your use your dryad yeah. and your renin six to put lands into play so you can trigger valakut a bunch of times mm-hmm. and soul of wind grace and primeval titan are creatures that let you do that while amassing you just massive amounts of mana so that your wishes are turned on and can be whatever you need them to be yeah and cutely enough you can wish for valakut like that is a legal play <laughs> yes you can wish for valakut this is a wish deck with multiple lands in the sideboard. There's a Valakut and a Cavern of Souls to wish for. If you are about to miss a land drop, you can do whichever one is better for you. Yeah, th- this deck is actually for a Valakut deck. Like, there's a lot. Of, I mean, because it is mostly a mid-range deck that just like has these big kills that can go over the top and can gain huge amounts of value. I I'm into a lot of what's going on here. Just a lot of different pieces have gotten printed recently that make this deck work wish soul of wind grace the jund triome like a a bunch of these little ingredients that like oh actually like this all like makes sense together call it by its given name zeatora's proving ground yeah yeah (laughs) i i just feel like i reach more of the audience by calling it a jund triome (laughs) the context clues you gotta trust the audience is smart enough to follow along (laughs) sure sure (laughs) anyway speaking of no, that's not a good segue. Uh, are you familiar with the... Uh, did you have something you wanted to say? I just wanted to point out how funny it is uh, that on Saturday, Demir Mill got second place as all of the 80-card decks left the format. Yeah, that's uh, at the store championships locally, uh, Mill player very easily made top four. Uh, <laughs> I just don't... I just... I, I get to Mill 20 fewer cards. It's so much easier. <laughs> Uh, what's funny is apparently they played uh, the one Yorion, the one person who's still playing Yorion, or uh, an eighty card version, which is without Yorion. Like they just played four color as <laughs> yeah. if it were well, hasn't just been Yorion banned, but they just took the Yorion out of the deck. <laughs> I kind of get it for a store champs. Like I don't, I don't want to do all that work. I'm just gonna show up with my deck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I respect it. I thought it was hilarious that they played against Mill. You know, it's just funny. Yes, that's that is fantastic. Did but, not sorry, stop the no players in Exorcal March towards victory, though. Uh, I wanted to mention blue white control kind of briefly. For the longest time in modern, uh, blue white control has just been kind of championed by two very strong players. You got the Gabe Nassif, just Narset, and Days Undoing, the, the mm-hmm. thing he likes to do, you know, and then you had. Waffatapa playing just literally whatever he wants and winning with it. Uh, but now with the energy, and I don't have these results pulled up, people are straight up just adding Renin 6 to their blue-white control decks. <laughs> yeah, the, the Zach Allen special, yeah. Yeah, I do like the net deck name. It's a Ren, Ren White, and Blue. It's, <laughs> it's a nice one. Beautiful. But the reason for this is because you are... Already adding Leyline Bindings to your deck, you want Triomes so that you can cast Leyline Binding off the cheap, right? Mm-hmm. And then once you're adding in Triomes, you might as well just play Renin 6 too, right? You can cast her. So Renin 6 is one of the best cards in Modern, if not the best, just by itself. Mm-hmm. And it's very good in Control Shell, so just blue-white control with Renin 6, let's do it. And it's yep. doing well. It got like three in the top eight of the energy. <laughs> Uh, I think there was only two of those decks that were playing Granite 6. The other one was just a generic blue eye control deck you would expect to see, you know, a couple months ago. But the other ones were just Granite 6. And out of the kind of like more traditionally colored 
blue-white decks. One thing that I have seen and been really impressed by on streams and stuff, I have not been playing Modern lately because yeah, I've been playing Pioneer. But I have been watching streams. Hall of Heliad's generosity. Like, now that you have Leyline Bindings in your deck, and and even when you don't, uh, cycling dress-downs, like, multiple times, like, the... Like watching Blue White board in four dress downs and have Hall of Heliad's generosity and playing against Amulet, it was just like the like most disgusting bloodbath I've ever seen. Uh, but generally, the ability to like <clears throat> get back Shark Typhoons multiple times, to get back Leyline Bindings that got killed, and just it it added like a surprisingly powerful dimension. And I I think that that card was pretty impressive in the times that i've seen it so that is a, a different innovation for a different direction the deck can go but i think ren and six generally a stronger thing to be building your deck around yeah they, they do a similar space ren and six is a lot better early because mm -hmm. you can play it and it gives you infinite mana which is what you want when you're i shouldn't say infinite mana it gives you a bunch of mana mm -hmm. which is what you want when you're playing control decks Whereas, you know, Hall of Helia Generosity is only really good in those mid-late game scenarios when you need mm -hmm. to, to refill. And it's really good. Like, I think Blue-Eye Control, I struggled with the idea of Castle Vantress being good in that deck because when you have that much mana, you should just try to find a way to win. And that's what Castle Vantress does, even though it's not a great card. It just, like, lets you cut off so much time on your clock just to find a way to win. Mm -hmm. and hollow hideous generosity does that by itself like you don't yeah. need to look for another card you can just recycle your shark typhoons and stuff like that and get you closer to winning the game which is why i think it's a really good thing yeah also saw a lot of plays of like leyline binding getting a construct token bounce the leyline binding with your teferi like oh that's the disgusting this. otherwise in modern like hammer and creativity you're still around and still good uh, I believe Happy Sandwich top aided another of these challenges. Let me try and find him. He top eights every single one of these, so <laughs> shouldn't take too long. I, I hate to be just like painfully on brand, but one of the things that I it just occurs to my brain whenever I'm scanning through these lists is like, how good or bad is this metagame for Living End? And just generally, Living End seems very good right now. Uh, got you know like blue black mill in the this top eight which is uh, it's one of the worst matchups possible but other decks you know you're like like you're probably breach's worst matchup if you're playing living end merc tide the creativity deck here's the eldrazi tron guy but yeah <laughs> so but the, so these current iterations of eldrazi tron are playing three chalices and one relic main deck <laughs> So that's actually not that bad, especially since you have like an Odawara and a Bazeju. Like that's extremely beatable. I didn't. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. No, no, but that's 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 totally fair. But like, like just the decks that are popping up in large numbers are like Breach, Merktide, Creativity, and Hammer are all very, very positive matchups for Living End. And then the bad matchups that are showing up are showing up a little bit less. But Mill is tough. Recto Scam is tough. And if Eldrazi Tron like builds to beat you, then then sure. I think the the big maybe not winners, but the most popular decks, mostly based on inertia, are gonna be creativity and hammer, along mm -hmm. with just random cascade decks people can still build. Yep. Uh, those typically are gonna take the lion's share of whatever tournament they're at. Oh, plus Merktide, of course. Merktide and Breach kind of getting that blue red is it style deck being there 
Mm-hmm. Uh, people love Merktide. They're, they're still playing it, even though I think Breach is almost ubiquitously better. <laughs> Although in the heads up, I think Merktide has the advantage. So that is yeah, a... I think it's I think it's pretty close. But mm-hmm. like it's close enough that I don't I wouldn't like recommend playing Merktide unless you pl- only play against Breach. But then you just play a different deck, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I do agree. It's slightly Merktide favored, but not large enough that sure you should really you know plan around that there is plenty of murktide doing just fine I, some of that is just like the number of murktide decks in these tournaments but you know it's still like a competent deck that is made of good spells so Ooh, we got a an hardened scales deck in the dump 28th place on saturday <laughs> i love me hardened scales deck i wish it was a little stronger but alas it's mostly just a mid-range hammer. Like it's really good against decks that want to grind, but in a fair way. Like if you're trying to grind against this Valica deck we were talking about earlier, not gonna go your way. <laughs> no, I mean that that seems like a very hard time. There's a counter cat deck, you know, tribal zoo here in 14th place in this challenge. Listen, I love a stubborn denial. Leyline binding in a zoo deck is cute. But I, I don't know about Wild Nakatl, Scion of Draco, Nishima Brawler, and then just like having to play all of these like triumphs in your mana base. No, I'm just not convinced that this actually beats anything. I know that a lot of people are like excited about it and playing it, but I, so I think Ari was talking about this uh, from Dominari's Judgment, their podcast. It might have been Dom talking about, it, but. Uh, the Footfalls deck that also plays Scion of Draco has been... It, it did a four. It got fourth in this challenge. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of conflicting issues with putting Scion of Draco in your deck. Like, it, it never actually lines up that well, even no. though it's theoretically castable. Uh, it just, like, doesn't have text. It's a generic 4-4 flyer that you can't sequence your lands in a way that lets you cascade early enough to make crashing footballs be relevant and play sign of draco on time so you're just kind of struggling against two competing masters and the sign of draco is just a four form of the time like the abilities it gives your creatures are not relevant like giving your rhinos trample or your solitude yeah. vigilance is not going to do anything and, and the zoo deck has the same problem but like in reverse like what happens when your opening hand is wild nakadal and sign of draco like you can't when are you getting your trial right yeah. like which one are you casting when because you're not casting both of them on time uh i do like territorial copy though i think that card is nice but the support it has other than exactly leyline binding is just mm-hmm. not enough to to propel it to any sort of victorious place in the current format it also has a dress down problem that may not be enough to like impact its actual playability but it will leave mental scars on you whenever it happens and that's Uh, worth protecting yourself from i think the only other deck i kind of want to call out uh, is yakmoth there's a deck that didn't get touched by the bands and has improved by not having to play against as many (laughs) elementals named fury Uh uh-huh uh, it's just a really good combo deck. It's also pretty good against Breach and other similar veined trying to race you decks because it does have the advantage of being a mana creature deck with a lot of tutors. Yes. And it has young wolves against Ragavans for whatever yep. that's worth. 
Oh, it's it's worth quite a bit. Like it if, is, yeah. They ever open Young Wolf? It it sounds so pitiful, but you look at your Ragvan and you're like, huh. Alright, that's just got beat up by this ten cent common, but you know. Yeah, or God forbid you look at your two Ragavans, one of which was like insulating you against their removal spell, and it's like, oh, this is this is not gonna end well for these Ragavans. Um, but that's just kind of a short look into modern. It it has it's kind of still in the state of flux. People are still just messing around with stuff. But there's nothing too crazy that I've seen yet, other than people trying random Omnath builds and that one scapeshift deck I called out. Those are the two that have stood out to me. Yes. I don't anticipate Karuga being a thing going forward, but I do get it. It serves the place of the Yorion when you're playing a mid-range mirror and it's just like, we're each casting spells and then I have this free one that generates value that's just in my hand every game if we are if we do get into a place where like these mid-range matchups are an important spot then i i do get the karuga but if you're playing against breach a lot then maybe a different suite of interaction and spells will serve you better than having a karuga companion yeah and, and it is useful if you're planning on playing a modern tournament especially online nowadays uh, you just should be prepared to play against breach which means not only knowing how to you know build your deck accordingly but literally how to play against the deck because they yeah. it's when not to endurance them like yeah, exactly just yeah. figure out all your interaction windows and what they're trying to do and all that stuff mm-hmm. it, it's something that often gets overlooked where you know you you a new deck enters the format and you just you know i'm gonna load up on hate card a hate card b and we'll be good but you don't know how to utilize those hate cards i think i talked about it a little bit in the last podcast mm-hmm. with alan but it's you gotta know how to use your cards you put in your deck so you should put in some time to to figure out those interaction points yeah that's actually not a bad idea for an episode is like you know we've had our breach episodes but our how to play against breach episode would would probably be something useful to people it's tough though because every deck has a completely different set of like constraints on how you play that matchup so it's also tougher for me because I've been playing way more on the breach side than I have against breach at all. <laughs> well, I think that's really important, though. Like, what is beating? Like, what have people done that has been effective? Is like a a great starting point. But we'll we'll talk. We'll we'll see what we can figure out. Okay. I don't know. Anything else? No. I I just kind of wanted to take a quick peek into modern. Like I said, people are still figuring stuff out. I just wanted to you know try to kind of check in, just real real quick. Yeah, uh, outside of all the pioneer stuff, while we're still working on that for the, the RC. Yeah, I, I will be excited to get back to modern and and maybe honestly like kind of excited to sit down and do some standard once all this this pioneer work is over. I, but I have been I I've said this before. I don't remember it was to you, but I have <laughs> really been jonesing to play standard for mm-hmm. no other reason. Then I just want to like jam some paper games in a format I just never play, and then never touch the cards again. Like I'm not <laughs> gonna want to play it for more than two tournaments. Yeah, that's tough then, because that's like a a, a five hundred dollar buy in or whatever to that. Yeah, but... that's why I'm not gonna do it, and it mm-hmm. sucks. But I wish standard, you know, existed. I think yeah. that was mismanaged a little bit. If they wanted to keep supporting standard, they just didn't. Yeah. Oh well. Unfortunately, but we'll play different stuff in the future when when things come around i think the upcoming 
I got to look at my calendar real quick. What's on your calendar? But I believe that the upcoming arena qualifier weekend is historic. But that does happen before regionals. So I may, I, I will probably just net deck something and play a couple of the play-ins or something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to put in real work on the historic format right now when I have more Honestly, important things occupying my attention. Not putting work into the historic format right now is you and the entire rest of the world. Yeah, so just in a good spot. Yeah, up to and including Watsi. <laughs> Almost as neglected as Alchemy. Which is weird because they keep printing cards for it. They do keep printing cards for it. It exists, technically. Alright. Wait, one one final alchemy jab, please. Okay. Do it. I did, do it. I I let me find where I messaged it to you. Cause I found the change they made the other day for Alchemy specific. This isn't a card they printed it to Alchemy. It's just like a buff they did to a card to make it more viable and standard, right? Mm-hmm. And the buff was to Midnight Assassin, which is a card from Streets of Nirvana. <laughs> it's a 2 and a B, 1-2 with Flying and Death Touch. It's a Vampire Assassin. That's all. It's like a medium, bad, limited card. In order to make this playable in Alchemy, like a consideration for people's decks, Wizards buffed this card. The buff that they gave was to make it a 1-3 instead of a 1-2. That's it. <laughs> I just don't understand the scope of what they're trying to accomplish. I, I no don't idea. think Wizards does either. That that one is a really bizarre change. All right, it's a 1-3. All right. I, I, that's, I just wanted to get that little alchemy hit in before we, we had it out. Well, thank you for your service in bringing that to our attention. Yeah, of course, anytime. I'll, anytime I'm just scrolling through Scryfall with the arena filters on, I'll find things, and then I can just report back. What was it? Somebody brought up a Strixhaven card. One of the vintage streamers. I, I think it might have been Justin or somebody. was like, uh, it, it's, what is it called? It's like Mentor's Guidance or something. It's like a two and a blue, and you get to like scry to and draw a card and you like copy it if you control a wizard a shaman or a druid or whatever mm-hmm. there's an alchemy version that costs one in a blue and so somebody saw that it got really excited was like wait this is like really good with in elves like i want to try this and then it turns out that it's actually a three mana card like the, the two yeah. mana card doesn't exist because it works with uh clerics druids shamans warlocks and wizards <laughs> yes and all of your elves are druids so yeah, unfortunately not a real card. You it's no. it's it's three mana. It's three mana. Sorry. And the two mana one still sees no play on Alchemy. I assume no one plays the format. There's no way for me to tell. I mean, you know, if I were like doing stuff in historic, there's eight elves in historic. Maybe you can do this in historic. Who knows? Alright. That's it for us. Thanks so much for listening. Really, really appreciate your time. We may hopefully be doing some commentary on magic 30 like sunday afternoon so that's we haven't really been good about doing the call to actions or whatever but if you're around sunday afternoon and we do manage to get on on honorog stream and that stream actually happens there's a lot of variables here yes but we also haven't quite figured out the schedule yet like we're magic 30 or if it's happening so Magic 30s is pretty difficult for Honorag to figure out what's going on with. So, you know, we'll, we'll keep y'all in mind. But if you want to just, you know, have a free afternoon Sunday or whenever this happens, uh, his stream is on Zid MTG. 
on Twitch. And he's yeah. doing coverage, if he can, of the event. And it should be a good time. And I mean, if we're not on his stream Sunday afternoon, just like watch his stream or whatever. Yeah. But... It's good, you know. Yeah. I enjoy watching commentary, especially of Magic tournaments. Yes. Um, cool. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Bye.